welcome to the 116th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 28th, 2000 and what? 2019? My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show with me. As always, as always, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How are you, Corey? Brad, we are like two speeding bullets today. We certainly are. Are we heading towards each other on a railroad track from opposite directions? And what time are we supposed to meet in Chattanooga? Is it one of those math questions? No, absolutely not. This is more like a... I was going to say that we're like going the same direction. But when you mentioned that, I started thinking about the movie Wanted with Angelina Jolie where they like curve the bullets. Now I'm thinking about that. <laughs> I have never seen that movie, but I know they made a crappy game about that where I got to that game and I tried to get to the part where you did curve the bullets. And I don't think I even got that far. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> I actually didn't mind that game, even though I understand it was like short. I'm pretty sure it took like two hours to beat, which at the time was like an uproar in the gaming community because there was no game that was shorter than like seven hours. But it was like a tight, compact, little third-person shooter. Didn't really have a lot of bells and whistles. It was just like, all right, you're going to run through some levels and shoot some dudes. And like it knew what it wanted to be, and it was that, and it looked good for the time. I feel similarly about, this is another licensed one, um, the James Bond Bloodstone game that came out that was like not based on a movie. I feel very similarly about that game. It's like short, but it just works. It's not special, but it's perfectly fine. So I guess, I don't know, third-person shooters based on movies are up my alley or something like that. Well, look at that. The show hasn't even begun. We've already talked about two games. We are on fucking fire oh today, God. folks. Look at that. Watch out for the timestamps for those games in the show notes. That, <laughs> that is right. It's going to be a timestamp of like 15 <laughs> seconds. Get to it. Listen in. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, before we jump into games chat proper, just a real quick reminder that our usual banter section comes after the show. If you want to hear more from us, that's not necessarily game related, although I do think games do come up. It was a tiny Stay- bit, yeah. A tiny bit, a little bit, a little bit. Stay tuned after the closing music for extra content. And just a heads up, today's a little bit shorter than usual because I think we're on a bit of a time crunch. I think we both have been drinking coffee and doing speed before the show, so we're going to just power through this episode. Uh, speaking of powering through, let's get right to it. No more, no more wasting time. The games chat. Today, Corey, we are starting off with a bang. The biggest thing mm. going on in games right now, I think, probably by a mile, uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake, it's not necessarily titled the remake just called resident evil 2 but it's the remake of the original resident evil 2 the new resident evil 2 just came out you have already deemed it game of the year 2019 (laughs) would you care to talk to us about what you have seen what you've played what you've experienced please tell us a little bit about your time in raccoon city sir i would love to so i played i think i talked about in the last banter section on the show that i actually ordered this game but i was going out of town over the weekend so i on Thursday night into Friday morning, I was able to play it for about 45 minutes before I got to, um, before I had to like pack to get ready to leave and stuff and, you know, go to bed and all that good stuff. And then I got back into town tomorrow and I played it. I pretty much like got home and like put everything I needed to do off immediately and just like took a shower and then sat down and played it for about three hours straight, I would say last night. So I like really kind of like dug into it and um, it is so... Good. It is everything I wanted in 
the Resident Evil 2 Remake. So at the beginning, much like in the PlayStation 1 version, you choose if you want to play as Leon or Claire first. And I went with Leon first. I think it does the same thing that it does from the PlayStation 1 where you play like one of their scenario A's and then you unlock the scenario B and you can play as the other person from scenario B. Um, I'm assuming that the campaigns will be probably a lot more different than scenario A and B were in the original um, because I feel like that's something that Capcom would do, but I can't comment on that yet because I haven't beat it or anything. But so, I, have, I have comments on this later. Do you? Oh, do you want to comment now or later? No, later, later. Okay, okay. So I am about... Uh, I'm about four hours in, maybe three and a half to four hours in. The thing I love about this game is that anytime you press pause, there is a clock in the upper right-hand corner that tells you exactly how long you've been playing. And every fucking game on the planet needs to have this because I like knowing how long I've been playing games. And also whenever I review them for game critics, we have to know how long we've been playing them. And sometimes I'm not the best at keeping track of how long I've been playing games, but Resident Evil 2 does it for me. Um, I have, I'm going to try, even though, like, I don't want to spoil the game, so I'm going to try to, like, walk on eggshells a little bit with this. Yeah, yeah, still uh, pretty new, let's not spoil yeah. anything. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of weird, though, because, like, nothing happens that doesn't really happen in the old one, and it's, like, 20 years old, but I still, like, don't want to spoil it. So, um, I, I would wager that I'm probably about halfway through the game, or so, or halfway through Leon's scenario A, if you will. And this game, it's just like the remake of the first Resident Evil that came, that launched on GameCube and they got ported to 360 and then to um, PS3 and Xbox One. It's basically on, like, every system now. Um, because it takes everything that you knew and loved about the original campaign and it just, like, switches things up the slightest amount so that you still remember everything, but it's not so comfortable that you feel like you can just breeze through remembering everything you knew from the original version um, because like for example in this one like one of the big sort of uh in the ps1 version i mean one of kind of like the big opening surprises is your first encounter with a liquor and like a liquor this was the first time it was in resident evil and it's like this gross like kind of like clawed like um quadrupedal like muscle thing that has this like long tongue and it's like brain is exposed and like they're really gross looking and that comes along pretty early in the game whenever you play it on the PlayStation 1 version, which, again, came out in, like, 19, like, 98 or whatever. It's really old. Um, but the liquor encounter is not the same, and I'm not going to say where it is in the new version because I don't want to spoil it. But I will say that I last night I got to the first liquor encounter, which is, like, a couple of hours into the game because in the first one it's, like, maybe, like, 30 to 45 minutes in. Um, this one takes a little bit longer, so it, like, builds up some more, um, I guess, like, tension before you get there. And it, the first liquor encounter in the remake is genius, and I'm not going to say why, but it is so well-planned, just, like, with the environment and with everything going on, um, that I was really impressed with it. And also, later in the game, I've gotten to the point where the, like, zombie dogs come up, because they're in this game as well. And the game does some really... Um, creative and really scary stuff with the zombie dogs um because i'm not gonna say like where certain things happen but i will just say that i was walking in a room being all scared i thought zombie dogs were gonna come from one direction and they came from a different direction and like burst through a vent somewhere and i said the word fuck very loud in my house last <laughs> night um i often curse when i play this game because it's not like super duper scary but it does a really fantastic job of, like, 
kind of like making you like you want to make every shot count because you you don't have a super duper limited amount of ammo like i would say in any given situation i have between like maybe like 20 and 40 pistol rounds which doesn't sound like a lot but if you're careful when you fight zombies you can drop them i mean sometimes you get a one hit critical hit and it'll like blow up their head which is like Every time I get one of those, like a single tear falls down my cheek because that's only one bullet. And like in slow it, motion with like 80 cent pop in the background. <laughs> and it's like, and every time that happens, you know that like the zombie's not going to get back up. But sometimes it'll take like three headshots. And we talked about this with the demo a couple weeks ago. Um, like sometimes it'll take like three headshots to bring one down. But sometimes there's like a handful and the game doesn't like, um, it's not like the, like any kind of like special zombie, but every once in a while there's ones that will take set like probably like five or six headshots and like on one hand i kind of understand why that would like frustrate people because i could totally see people playing this game and like not being careful with their ammo and then just like running out of ammo and like kind of having to run but the good news is that you don't have to fight everything i mean it's often if you're not in close quarters it's usually a good idea to run um but like if you're careful with your bullets you can kill just about every zombie and like pretty much like know that it's going to be down. But the thing that really creeps me out about this game is that no matter how long you play the game, like I'm like three and a half hours in, four hours in, something like that. If I go through any hallway in the police station, like every zombie that I have killed is still on the ground. Like they don't disappear or they don't disintegrate or they don't like turn into like the Crimson Head zombies like was in uh, the GameCube Resident Evil remake, which were terrifying, by the way. Um, they, hated it. Yeah, hated it. I mean, I hated it too, but in like such a good way. Um, they, they just like stay on the ground and every time I could walk past a zombie like 50 times and every time I like look down and I like aim my gun at it because I'm like, all right, you fucker, I know you're going to get up one of these times. Like I know it's going to happen, but usually they don't, which is good because if it were dead space, every zombie would get back up every time you walk by. Literally everyone. Literally everyone. Yeah. So like, I like that the fact that the game is paced in such a way that it like really... It's not like in your face about what it's doing. It's often really quiet. And I play it with headphones on because I'm a maniac. And like the sound design is like impeccable in this game. Like any room you're in, you can just like hear little things in the background. And like you think like maybe something's in here. And basically like based on the sound design alone, I kind of feel like at any given moment a zombie could just come like bursting through a wall or like fall through some fucking ceiling tiles. Like there was a part last night where I was walking around an area that had a staircase in it and I heard some like you know some like shamblings and I was like okay this is like really good audio <laughs> and I'm like pointing my flashlight and gun around and I like don't know what's going on because I don't think anything is around me it's a hallway I've been through like 15 times and I'm like looking around and a fucking zombie falls down the balcony from the stairs above me and just like lands on the floor right in front of me it scared the hell out of me. It was such a... And I don't think it was, like, scripted or anything. I think it just, like, happened. And that's what I love about this game is that a lot of it feels really... It's, like, organically scary. It's not, like, in your face. It's not trying to, like, prove a lot with scripted segments. I mean, there is some scripted stuff in it, but it's just, like, a lot of it is, like, really organic. And it's... The environment is so creepy. The sound design is really incredible. It's, like, just familiar enough for you kind of feel like you know what you're doing, but it also, like, turns a lot of stuff that you remember from the original on its head and it's just like super impeccable and i got to the part where 
Mr. X comes in the game. Um, and for those who are familiar with Mr. X in the original game, he was sort of like the main bad guy in Scenario B in the original Resident Evil 2. He's basically like this really tall, like gray muscular dude who wears this like bitchin' trench coat. And he like had a bunch of scripted moments in the original game where you would just be like running through a room and then he would like crash through a wall and he like walks slow so you could run away from him. But if he punches you like a couple times, you're basically toast. Well, in the new version of Resident Evil 2, he kind of does the same thing where he just like shows up and he's really scary and he like walks slow and he kind of stalks you. But the like added layer of scariness about his presence in Resident Evil 2 Remake is that he's like, at a certain point in the game when he gets introduced, he's sort of like perpetually stalking the entire police station. So like you have to kind of like constantly be like listening for his like loud, like plodding footsteps because he can basically show up anywhere, but he never really like surprises you because you can like hear him coming. Like if you're listening to the game, like you can hear him coming. But it just... So wait, question, question then. Yes. Uh, what if you can't hear him? Is there any visual cue at all, or is there something in the options? There is not that I know of. So oh. hard of hearing players, this is probably not good for you. Um, I mean, all right. I don't think anything on the screen shows you any, like, threats. There's no, like, threat ring, or there's no, like, visual cues or anything that I know of. Um, okay, okay. So that is a bummer. Um, I know we do like to highlight that kind of stuff on the show, so, and at Game Critics in general. And as far as I know, there's no uh, visual cues, but, I mean, if you're playing the game and you are using headphones, or even if you're just playing with the sound on your TV and you're capable of hearing... Um, just, like, hearing his footsteps in the environment is, like, incredibly terrifying because, like, you know he's, like, maybe one or two hallways, like, away from you or sometimes he'll just, like, throw a door open and be right there. But the nice thing is that he doesn't run. So, like, even if he's in the same room you're in, you can usually, like, run away from him and get away from him. Like, you're not forced into combat every time he shows up. But just, like, knowing that he's sort of, like, perpetually patrolling the area kind of around the police station just adds this, like, layer of fear i guess to like exploration because now i like just like want to run my ass off around the police station and try to like get everywhere as quick as i can and i've caught myself in a few moments where i'm trying to like dash through these rooms and the liquors in the game are incredibly lethal and they operate by sound much like they do in resident evil 5 so if you're loud around them they will like leap off the wall and like claw your ass off or they'll like use their tongue and like you know lick you i guess like and, and harm you um, and they're also really hard to kill. Like, the liquors, I've shot one, like, four times with a shotgun, and it has not died. So you're kind of, like, better off just, like, sneaking around them or, or trying to run from them if you can get away from them fast enough. So it, when Mr. X is stalking you, it, like, puts you at odds with everything else in the environment because, like, you want to be quiet because I think if you shoot your guns a lot, he starts to, like, zero in on your location. So, like, you want to be quiet, but you also, like, want to run through the police station because you, like, don't want to be caught close to him anywhere so it just, like, the whole game is just, it's really, like, impeccably designed so far, and it sets up, like, just this wonderful atmosphere that, like, I remembered from the original, but it just, like, tweaks it in certain ways that really make it feel special, and it's the first game in a while that, like, when I'm at work during the day, like, I just can't, I, all, I'm thinking about how I can't wait to come home and play it whenever I get home, or, like, when the sun goes down, I can't wait to turn all the lights off in my house and put my headphones on and pull my couch up close to the TV and play it. And I just like, I don't feel that often about games like this sort of like, I don't know, overwhelming desire to just like really want to get back to it and play it. I mean, a lot of games, even if I enjoy them, I'm not like dying to get back to them, but 
Resident Evil 2 so far is hitting all the right notes for me. It's pretty much everything I wanted it to be. Um, I don't have a lot of complaints. I will probably update later whenever, you know, I play it more, whenever I beat it, uh, or maybe I can do like a spoiler section on a different show down the line. Um, but those are my thoughts of the first few hours. I'm really happy with it so far. Um, I mean, I guess it's sort of like the best game I've played this year, but it's also the worst game I've played this year because it's the only game I've played this year, so it has that going <laughs> for it. Um, but I just talked for a shitload of time. So I know you had something you wanted to say about scenario A and B earlier, but also you can dump any questions or thoughts you have on me and I can try to address them as necessary. Um, I mean, just a couple of things. I mean, I kind of am leaning towards playing it because I do really have a lot of fond memories of it from back in the day. And I did, you know, I played the shit out of it. I mentioned on an earlier episode, I did like literally every single thing you could possibly do in that game uh, back in the day. So I was like, you know, probably not going to go to those lengths this time around and I'm definitely way more chicken shit these days. I don't uh, <laughs> have the wherewithal to get through it as easily as I did back when I was a young, young, young buck, but um, leaning towards playing it, not, not super high priority, but I think that probably I'll try to get it from Gamefly or something and I'll have it on hand for when I get a slow point. So I'm curious to hear all your thoughts and, and all that. One thing that I, I am really kind of concerned, though, about the, the difficulty of the, the zombies. Are you on normal or easy, or what, what are you playing on? I was just going to say this, because I remember this whenever you were talking about how you wanted to play it and some of the stuff you said last week. Um, I'm playing on normal mode. I can't remember how many difficulty levels there were to pick from at the beginning, but there is... Um, I think they call it an assisted mode, and it's kind of like in Devil May Cry. Like, you can select it from the beginning, but if you die a certain amount of times and i have died a certain amount of times like the game before it loads up your checkpoint it'll be like do you want to switch to assist mode and i'm like well first of all fuck off and second of all like <laughs> yeah maybe i suck right here but i think i'm doing okay because i died like five times in a row by a liquor earlier in the game and um and so there is like if you're someone who's kind of like cautious about ammo or about the difficulty level um they do have an assisted mode where i think it like implements auto aiming and it uh, makes the I think you regenerate a certain amount of health and the enemies are weaker and they go down with less bullets I think are some of the parameters so that would be incredibly helpful for people who maybe aren't um, as into sort of like more of an old school type of game design so I like that they implemented that and even if you choose normal or hard or whatever if you die like I think it's probably like three times in the game it asks you if you want to pull the difficulty back but keep in mind um, the game warns you if you pull it back you cannot switch it for the rest of the game so you can only go easy for the rest of the game for the rest of the way out um, but I'm sure if you switch it to easy you probably wouldn't want to switch it back to normal I mean I'm not sure but yeah it at least gives you the option and it gives you the option mid-game to change it which I think is really helpful I do appreciate that. I'm going to talk about this with one of the games we're going to be discussing later in the show. But I really, really appreciate uh, this more more common occurrence these days of people not just giving you, like, easy, normal, hard, but also, like, you know, extra stuff to really, you know, get you into the game and just take the dick measuring part out of it and just, you know, realize, <laughs> you know, yeah, I probably would enjoy playing this game, but I, I don't want to, like, struggle too much through it or it's not the kind of game that I really want to, like, break myself on, you know? Like, I would rather just kind of breeze through it and maybe save my hardcore efforts for something else that's a different genre that I like more or something. So I like that they offer that. That sounds really cool. I had a pretty... I mean, I, I talked about this with Dan Weisenberger, who reviewed the game for Game Critics, and he had a pretty good perspective on it. I mean, he was saying that that was... that the the zombies that take, like, six headshots or whatever... I mean, number one, that's ridiculous, because you can... <laughs> 
you can take a human being and shoot them <laughs> in the head, and like so much of the head will be gone after just one bullet. Like they're non-functional. And for a zombie, okay. See, this is kind of weird. Okay, side side note, just real sidebar here, dude. Like whenever you see a zombie movie or something, it's always weird to me because zombies are just people but they are rotten and they are decomposed and they are weaker. It's not like being a zombie makes you super strong. I mean, maybe they don't have pain receptors. So maybe that's one reason why they keep coming and don't stop, but it's not like a bone with like three pieces of sinew on it is somehow stronger than a guy who's fit and in good shape. Right. So like, it's always weird to me that like people kind of like have this in movies and stuff like zombies are also kind of seen like strong enough to break down these things. And Oh, sure. If there's a thousand of them outside your door. Yeah. But like in general, realistically i know and i know zombies not real don't email me don't at me but like (laughs) but like realistically a normal person should be able to kick the shit out of a zombie because they are just a dead decomposed weaker degraded human being they are not super strong so kind of following that line of thought a zombie's brain or its skull should be weaker should be decomposed if you blow it away i mean like one bullet should shatter that motherfucker and i get that it's a game but, I mean, six bullets to me sounds really excessive. And Dan was thinking that, like, oh, you know, that's their way of telling you don't kill everybody and run around. They want you to run and be scared more. And it's trying to put, like, the survival back into it. But I don't know, man. I mean, I know you're down with it. But, I mean, and I haven't played the game yet. But just thinking about all the recent zombie games I've played and how people have really really approached that content in different ways over the last couple of years, just the thought of a zombie taking that many bullets and you not being able to, like, I mean, there's no, like, head stomp or anything on the ground, right? You can't do anything to follow up attack or anything well, like that. Well, you have, if you have the knife as a sub-weapon, you can do, like, a, it's basically like the old ones where you can equip it and kind of, like, slash them while they're on the ground. There's no, like, head stomp or anything, but you can, like, if you have a knife. And the knives, they, like, degrade over time, but I generally have, like, three spares in the chest, and they don't degrade super fast. So, like, you can follow up with, knife attacks while they're down um, but there's no like one hit head stomp thing or like resident evil for like suplexes or anything like that all right well do you feel like i mean do you feel like dan's kind of on the mark with that like do you feel like that those zombies take so much damage or that the monsters take so much damage because you know like like are they trying to really nail it through that you know you're not supposed to kill everything you're not supposed to clear out every room i mean is that kind of your sense of it well i feel like um i mean i i agree with that a little bit like i feel I mean, I, I mean, the game doesn't, like, you know, like, tell you that you have to, um, you know, like, kill everything or whatever. And, I mean, it's kind of encouraged, like, if you don't have to kill anything, like, maybe you should not. Um, but, I mean, I feel like the whole, like, zombies that take a lot of hits, it's just a good, like, sort of, like, way to ratchet up the tension every once in a while. And, like, to be frank, I mean, every probably, like, I don't know, like, tenth zombie I kill takes more than, you know, I mean, most of them take between, like, one and three headshots to die, which, I mean, maybe that sounds like too many to a lot of people. Um, But if you're careful with aiming and if you can, like, kind of look at the zombies, like, movement patterns and it's not so bad, um, but you can also, like, shoot them in the legs, like in the old ones, and they'll kind of go down. You can swipe them with a knife or you can shoot them in the head while they're on the ground and that makes it a little bit easier. Um, But, I mean, this, like, the six-shot zombies aren't, like, all over the place all the time so it's kind of just like a i don't know i mean i don't know if they're like permanently placed on the map or if it like adjusts difficulty as you're playing because i kind of like 
those scenarios where I shoot a zombie like three times and it doesn't go down and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing? And it's like, it's just like a good like moment of like cold sweat, like in the moment. Um, it hasn't gotten old or irritating to me yet. Uh, the liquors are a little bit irritating because they're really deadly and they take a lot of bullets to kill. Um, but so far I've been pretty on board with how the zombies like difficulty is balanced. All right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, my only experience with playing this new version is the demo, and I felt like I hit the six the six bullet zombies pretty often in the demo. So maybe they've adjusted it for that, or maybe if I play it on the assisted mode or easy mode or whatever, maybe that would make a difference too. So I'm not I'm not super worried about it, but I think just as somebody who plays a lot of zombie games and takes in a lot of zombie media, I just am kind of like ethically offended at the idea that a zombie would take six bullets in the head. Like it just kind of just goes against everything I stand for in relation to zombie media. Like it just. You're breaking the unwritten rules, man. Like, that's not how this works. But, okay, anyway. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up with you, you probably cannot address this yet, but just something to file away because I would like to follow up with you about this afterwards, is when I was also talking to Dan about this, uh, trying to get the scoop, one of his biggest complaints... You haven't read Dan's review, have you, or have you? I have not. Okay, so anybody listening, in case you want to know what I'm talking about, Dan Weisenberger did a full review of Resident Evil. It's up at GameCritics.com right now. You can read that if you'd like to. Uh, I'm not going to get into it a lot here, but his biggest his biggest complaint basically was that scenario A and B, or like you know, like you said, like you can pick either Leon or Claire and play through the game twice with each character. There are differences. His one of his biggest complaints was like those scenarios are not nearly as different and they don't match up as well as they did back in the original Resident Evil Two. Oh. And I was going to ask you about that because I thought I was hoping you'd be further, but you you're not that far yet, so. Keep that in mind, because I really would like to hear about that, because I was honestly surprised to hear that. Uh, I was a little bit shocked, because I thought, if anything, it would be more so, and Dan's like, no, it was actually a couple steps backwards. So uh, I'm very, That's really, very dis- I'm surprised. disappointed to hear that, because I, I haven't gotten or tried Scenario B yet, or unlocked it or whatever, but I was thinking the same thing, because I, like, just like the amount of detail they've put in, like, mixing up areas of the police station you're familiar with, I thought for sure, like, oh, when I unlock Scenario B, it'll be, like, I mean, I'm not expecting, like, an entirely different game, but I was expecting a little bit more variation. So I'll, I'll definitely report back once I finish it. But hearing yeah, that here is yeah. a little disappointing. I mean, just really brief. I mean, he said they reused a lot of bosses, and so a lot of the encounters felt like even though, you know, for example, like, oh, Leon went through this room, and there was a boss here, and he made his way through it. And then when Claire gets there, it's like the exact same boss, the exact same room, even though allegedly like these stories are supposed to like kind of dovetail with each other. So mm. why would the same boss be in the same room? Yeah. Sort of a thing. And he also had, he had some complaints about the story in general, but I'll hold off on those. I want to, I don't want to, you know, corrupt your, your attitude on it too much. Just play through it. Let me know what you think. And I would like to hear your opinion after you finish the game though, like whether you thought they, they did better, did worse, same. And I am very curious to hear about some of the extra content. I know that there's some stuff that people haven't really been talking about. I've, I am privy to it because I am the editor of GameCritics.com, but I <laughs> am not at liberty to say, and I haven't seen anybody mention it out in the wild yet. Oh, so I'll boy. wait for you to get there uh, and see what you think about that, and we'll circle back. How's that? Uh, that sounds like a perfect plan to me. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Well, sounds exciting. I'm very excited for you. I know you're really looking forward to this, uh, and I, I probably will dip into it once I get up the gumption. Um, <laughs> it, it probably won't be for a while, but I probably will. I'll give it a shot at some point this year, so... All right, let's move on. Uh, I have a very brief bit to talk about a new game that I was playing on the Switch. Uh, Just as a little circle back to people who listened to the last couple of episodes, I was doing my damnedest to finish XCOM 2, uh, so I wouldn't have to ever talk about it again. I have not finished it yet. 
I, uh, I'm on the final mission of the game, and I have tried to finish it, uh, I think, four separate times. <laughs> but what happens is every time I start to play, something comes up. So, like, the first time we had an emergency pop up, and I had to go turn the game off to take care of something. I think the second time... I had to go make dinner, and then I didn't come back to it. I think the third time, I just was too fucking tired, and I, I wasn't making good choices. I had to turn it off. <laughs> and I think the fourth time, I think I got called out for an emergency. So I, I've been on the final level of that game for, like, I think three three days straight, and I just haven't had the time to finish it. So I didn't want to talk about that again. So instead, I looked on my Switch. I have a bunch of stuff on the Switch because I've been taking advantage of the sales. There are some fucking bonkers sales on the Switch, dude. I don't know if you're in the habit of checking the... Uh, the sale tab every so often, but I go at least once a week to the Switch store. Holy shit, there is some cheap-ass games on those. And not just, like, bad games. Like, there's a lot of games that, like, were on my wish list at full price, and then I see them on sale for, like, a dollar, dollar fifty, three dollars, five dollars. And I'm like, oh my god, like, these prices are ridiculous. So I suggest to you and anybody listening, if you got a Switch and you are not just like, oh, AAA, AAA. Like, if you're okay to, like, play some of the, the indie stuff and smaller games, there are some amazing deals on really good games to be had. So, anyway, I, I bought a bunch of stuff. My memory card is really full right now. I got to start playing some of these and deleting them because I'm getting, I'm getting too full. But I bought one called Kuso, K-U-S-O. I didn't know anything about it. And apparently it's made by a guy named Fred Wood. So I don't know that he's got a whole studio or I don't know what his deal is, but Fred Wood has made a game and it's on the Switch. I don't know what the story is on that, but I mean, clearly the dude can get things done. Uh, this is a very, it's a very me game and it's a very cute game. It's a 2D platformer on the difficult side. You play as a little guy who's like five pixels high, really teeny tiny. And you go, it's just like this abstract kind of like reflex jumping challenge game where Fred Wood, I guess this good old Fred, has created a bunch of these weird abstract levels where they're just full of like lasers and moving platforms and saw blades and spikes and all this stuff. And all you have to do is just jump through all these various obstacles and get to the end of each room. And I don't think that there's even a story or anything like that. I think it's just like, hey, this is a game I made, and if you like to do platforms, this is this is what's going down. And I do. I do like platforming, and I like 2D stuff, and I like this indie stuff. Um, the thing that's cool about it is that the graphics are very simple, but they're also very stylized, so I think he's got a good, a good eye. Like, everything on the screen looks real good, even though it's very, very, um, very stripped bare and very, uh, very basic, but he's, he's not lacking the artistic flair, which is good. So visually, I think it's very appealing. That's what caught my eye in the first place. The other thing that's really cool about this is it has a uh, set your own checkpoint feature, which I think is absolutely what makes this game playable. I don't think I would have gotten as far in it as I have if not for this feature. So it's just like it sounds. You start a room, you know, let's say like you're at the bottom left corner and your goal is to get to the top right corner of the screen. And between you and your goal, there's like, I don't know, like 15 moving platforms and a bunch of spikes and a laser that shoots at you and whatever. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die like 50 times in the inch and a half that it takes me to get to the screen, <laughs> or, you know. But he gives you this feature where you can literally push a button. There's no cost, no energy, no limit to it. It's, it's absolutely infinite. Push a button anywhere on the screen where you are not getting killed. So you can't push it in the middle of dying. But like if you're standing somewhere peacefully and you're fine for the moment, push a button and you just drop a checkpoint and it doesn't matter where you are anywhere as 
often as you want. Like there's no limit. So you make a you make a real tricky jump. You're like, oh my god, that was really tough. I can't believe I made it. Boom, checkpoint, and you never have to do it again. And you just keep going. And so like you can check checkpoint after every jump if you want to. After after every three pixels of progress, you can drop another checkpoint and just keep going because that is like really what makes it playable. Because if you had to get through all these levels without dying, frustration city, dude. Like I would there's no way. Like because you die so many times. But the fact that he removes that frustration by letting you, number one, choose the checkpointing yourself, but number two, you only have to redo, like, one second of game, like, half a second of gameplay. Like, oh, I made it through 15 jumps, no problem, checkpoint. There's a really tricky jump here, didn't make it. Okay, I just have to do this last, like, literally the last jump I did. And it totally, I'm not saying it's easy, because it's not easy, but it takes away so much of the needless frustration of repeating stuff you've already done really really brilliant dude like super brilliant um i like it a lot and i think that that was a very smart move and it kind of goes to show like you can make a game hard but you don't have to make it like enraging like you don't have to make it soul crushing to the player because you still have to have the skill to get through these rooms like there's nothing in this game that's going to float you past these jumps i mean you got to just do it but the fact that he lets you practice over and over and over with no penalty and without spanking you down it just changes the whole energy and the feel and the dynamic of it. It just, it, even despite the fact that there's a thousand ways to die, it just feels like he wants you to play. Like it feels like, yes, you know, please partake of this, practice your skills, practice your reflexes. Uh, and I just, I, man, it's just, it's so refreshing to see somebody do that. I just really, really like having a challenge and not being punished in addition to the challenge. Like the challenge is enough. And so I really, I respect that so much. I, I tip my hat to Mr. Fred Wood, who has created this game. Uh, I just love it. I love it. I think it was like $4 on the Switch. Super good price. There's a bunch of modes that I haven't even touched yet because I'm getting through like the original campaign mode where there is infinite lives. I think, you know, it gets harder as you go. There's a couple other modes where there's different levels. And I'm pretty sure that as the further you go, like then he starts giving you a little bit more rules. Like I think there's a, a limit to lives and how many tries you get or something like that. I, whatever. I haven't gotten to that part yet. I'm still enjoying the part that I'm on. Even if I don't get to those parts, I think I've gotten more than $4 of enjoyment out of this game. And from a design perspective, I really like the choose your own checkpoint thing. It's just fucking brilliant. I wish every game did that. So uh, thumbs up to Kuso, K-U-S-O, a 2D, pretty hardcore platformer that takes the frustration out of it. If you like platforming, if you like indies, if you like really lo-fi games like this, uh, well worth it. And it is a perfect fit for the Switch. Feels right at home on the Switch. Really, really enjoying it. Corey, any thoughts? My only question is, if you have the freedom <clears throat> to save slash checkpoint anywhere, have you ever accidentally checkpointed yourself like into a corner and made a bad decision about where you've saved your game? I don't think it's possible. I don't think that there is a bad place to put a checkpoint. The only restriction... I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'll just to clarify, if you somehow checkpoint yourself like on top of a spike or like in the middle of like a laser beam, the game knows that and it will not spawn you there. It'll put you back to the beginning of the level to make sure that you don't get stuck because if you just respawned on a spike over and over and over, you would never get past it, right? So like the game knows when you fucked yourself. So if that happens, they'll kick you back to the beginning of the level. But these levels like 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 one screen big or something, it's pretty small. You're not losing a bunch of, of, uh, of progress. And as long as you know that, it's very easy to not checkpoint yourself in a deadly situation. And I, I don't think there's a place that you can get stuck. I don't think it's possible. I think he's playtested these and gone through them enough that you can always get out of the situation you're in 
at the very least, just get yourself back to the beginning, and it's never that far. It's not that long, so I don't. I don't. I think it's, it seems pretty idiot-proof so far, at least from what I can tell. Perfect. Okay, that was something I was slightly concerned about. I mean, I would never. I would probably never play this game, but I've been in situations and. You know, where either a game has checkpointed on its own or I have saved a game and I realize that, oh, that probably wasn't the best place to save. And it's like a section where I have like 10 health out of 100 and I just like keep dying. And, um, you know, I try to stagger saves if I'm being smart, but I'm glad to know you cannot checkpoint yourself into a corner here. Yeah, rolling saves is always a good idea. But what 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 is in this game's favor is it is so simple. There's no lives. There's no inventory. There, you're either dead or you're not, just one hit, and there's nothing to collect. So it's like, I think it's pretty easy for him to, to make sure that you don't get stuck because it's either I can progress and jump or I can't. And if you can't, then he just sends you back to the beginning. So it's pretty simple. Uh, that definitely is, is a good thing in this particular case. Uh, but, you know, I, it's fine. I think it's good. So I don't think you can get stuck. At least, I, at least it seems impossible to get stuck so far. Who knows? But, I, you know, all thumbs up so far. Anyway. Kuso on the Switch from Fred Wood. I bought it for, I think, 3 or $4. Definitely recommend it if you want something kind of like, you know, super Meat Boy-ish, somewhat Celeste-ish, but not, nothing story-based, just really the, the physical aspect of platforming. So let's move on really quickly here. Uh, so, Corey, I had visions of talking <laughs> about Anthem from BioWare. It's the new... I, I don't know if I want to call it an MMO, but kind of the online game as a service. This is going to be your new hobby for the next five years. They want you to check in every day. Loot and shoot, I think, as uh, Cliff Goldsmith described it to me on Twitter. Good old Cliff. Um, kind of like a Division slash Destiny slash Warframe sort of a thing where you have a persistent character and you just like level them up over time. The hook in Anthem, which comes out, I think, February 22nd is that you have a suit of, like, armor, mech armor. I mean, you kind of look like Iron Man in a very rough, vague sense. If you know Iron Man, the Marvel superhero comic, or the you know, from the movies, that's basically what it is. And so you can tweak your armor, make it look different ways, equip different guns, etc., etc. Get together with your friends on a weekend and do some, you know, I don't know, missions or questing or whatever. Uh, this seems like the kind of thing that maybe my family would get into. Like I could easily see me and my wife and my son, uh, getting together or, you know, maybe like you and me and Gina playing this on a, on a weeknight or something like that. Possibly, possibly like I'm interested. Uh, but EA is in, is in charge in a publishing sense. And I have my misgivings about them. Bioware is putting this out and they are just not the studio that they used to be. But I was willing to give them a shot. They had a beta, which just happened uh, this past weekend. It was open for people who pre-ordered. There were also uh, codes going out to PR uh, recipients like myself. And if you did get one of these codes, it came with three extra codes because they wanted you to play with your friends. So you got a code. I got a code. My son got a code. A lot of people I knew got a code. And we were all talking about, let's check out Anthem this weekend. Um I have thoughts, but I want to hear from you first, Corey. I just talked for a whole bunch. Uh, what did you think of Anthem? Just, just you know, first impressions. Your is this is this your new go to? What do you think, Anthem? What's your thoughts? Um, I so I'm not super interested in this game. Just to be like really honest up front about it. I mean, like I think it looks kind of neat. I'll probably like rent it when it comes out, but. I mean, this sort of, like, game-as-service thing is not really something I'm usually into. Like, I know that you 
and me and your wife played the division a lot but we pretty much just like beat the campaign and then like did the dark zone a handful of times and that was it i mean it's not something that we come back to and are still playing you know like two years after the fact um nor would i probably want it to be because uh, i have other stuff i'd rather be playing or other you know i'm, I'm just not i don't have enough free time to do something like that um, but it's something I'm interested in, like, trying to see how it feels. And so we, I was, I had access to the beta. Um, I mean, the funny thing is that you got me a code, and it was running only through the weekend, through, like, Friday through Sunday. And I was out of town all weekend, so I was planning on flying back in and just trying it yesterday afternoon whenever I got back and seeing if I could dip in. And while I was out of town, uh, Patrick actually got a hold of a code from some one of his friends, so he ended up downloading it and sort of like accessing it on the PlayStation 4 before I even got back, so it was kind of like ready and waiting for me. Um, so let me detail you my wonderful experience with this beta. So because I was out of town all weekend and I was very busy, I wasn't on Twitter a whole lot, but I was like checking in every once in a while, and I saw some people talking about how the beta was not working very well and about how like some of the levels weren't loading or they couldn't get access at all or they couldn't get access to a server or like all this stuff. But I wasn't really like paying a whole lot of attention because I was out of town. I had better things to do. So I get home last night and I try to play it on my profile and I open up the game and it's like, oh, you don't have, sorry, you don't have access to the beta. And I was like, okay, so maybe it's like only accessible on Patrick's profile. So I go to the access code that you sent me because you emailed me one um, very kindly and I accept it and I like sign in and then I go back to the game. I like close the application and then I go back to the game and again, it's like, you don't have access to this, sorry. And I'm like, okay, like even though I just registered on your site for it, like that's fine. So I log into Patrick's uh, profile because I'm like, whatever, he's at work the rest of the night. Like he's not gonna be able to come home and play it anyway because it was shutting down last night. So I go on his profile, and luckily I get in, like, immediately. And so whenever you go to the game, you basically, it kind of boots you into this, like, lobby area. I mean, lobby is, like, not the best word, but it's kind of like a, just like a general area where you're, it's a first-person section. You're in sort of, like, this, like, Middle Eastern-looking, like, marketplace area, um, which is not really what I expected from the game, but it was kind of, like, a cool touch, I guess. So you're like walking through this sort of like bazaar area and the game tells you like, oh, you can do these like three different things. There's like a mission you can go on. There's like two like free roam areas you can go to and there's like some other kind of mission or something. So I go up to my javelin, which is the name for like the suits in the game, the Iron Man suits. I mean, I talked to a guy for a few minutes because the game told me to. Then I go to my javelin and I'm like, okay, well the free roam thing sounds like what I would want to do because I don't want to like jump right into a mission. So I click on the free room thing and it loads for about 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, so I guess it's not gonna load here. So I try to like turn off the game and I go, I exit out of the game. I, op I open the little menu for the game on the dashboard on the PS4 and I click close application. Whenever I click, click close application, my entire PlayStation 4 shuts off. Oh god. <laughs> god, Jesus! So and like to be to be fair, my PlayStation Pro, my PlayStation Four Pro, has had its moments of just randomly shutting itself off. It hasn't done it in a while, and this wasn't like a random occurrence because it's sort of like triggered from the game. But sometimes, like when it's in rest mode, it'll just turn off. Or sometimes, if like you're closing a game, it'll just turn itself off. And I, when I say turn itself off, I mean all the way off, not in rest mode, like just like totally off. So I close Anthem. The entire PlayStation 4 shuts off. 
and I press the power button like four times and it will not come back on. And so I like, Oh my God. And like, this is also not something new. Like this is every once in a while this happens. So I literally like unplug the power cord, plug the power cord back in. And then I have to like hold the power button for like 10 seconds. Finally, the PlayStation four comes back on and it says like, every time it does this, it's like, Oh, the PlayStation Four didn't shut down correctly. Like, and it does this like memory loading bar thing where it, like checks yeah, to make sure nothing yeah, happened. Yeah. And every time I'm like, "Well, fuck you," because it's your fault. Like, it's not like I just ripped the cord out while I was playing a game. Like, you're the defective one here. And then it acts like it's punishing me. So I turn it back on. I go back in Anthem. Luckily, it boots <laughs> up just fine. I'm in the lobby area again. Everything's good. I go to back to my javelin. I uh, try to go into the mission mission, like not the free roam area. And it loads for about five minutes again, and I turn the game back off. Luckily, the PlayStation 4 did not shut off this time, but I turn it back off. And then I think I tried it one more time. I opened it up again, and then, I, but this time I went to the little like javelin workstation area, and I like bought all the javelins so I could look at them because they have different classes. They have like the Colossus, which is like slow and like powerful. They have, like, a regular one that's, like, really balanced. They have one that has, like, elemental attacks. And then they have a fourth one that's, like, this really, like, fast but low armor. I mean, they're pretty, like, normal classes. And I wanted to do the fast, low armor one because it looks really cool. And it's all about, like, stealth and stuff. So I, like, go in and I, like, paint it how I want. And I put the materials on how I want. And I make it look really beautiful. And it's this cool, like, kind of, like, gunmetal-y color with these, like, cobalt accents. And I was like, hell yeah, this looks exactly the way I want it to look right now. And I like equip a different weapon. And then I go back into it and I select the other free room area. And it loads for like five minutes and obviously isn't going anywhere. So I turn it off again. I go buy a pizza because I was hungry. And I think, <laughs> okay, when I'm when I'm done eating pizza, I'll try it again like one last time before I go to bed tonight. There's like my commitment to trying to get good good stuff for the for the podcast. So I like turn it on and it's like nine or ten PM at night at this point. I turn it on, I get to like the main menu or whatever, and it's like, the Anthem servers have been turned off for the beta, bye. And I'm like, it's like 9 p.m. Like, I know it's like later in other parts of the world, but like, I thought I would at least be able to play until like 11 or 12. I thought it was like a midnight thing. And so like, I got back to it and like, they were like, yeah, the server's already off. Like, well, come back on February 1st or whatever when our next beta weekend is. And I was like, cool. So, like, I get the, like, betas don't work well, and I get that every time a big-scale beta comes out for a console, it's always, like, just, like, fuckery in the highest regard. But I was just like, cool, I got to go to the lobby, like, three times. I got to detail my javelin, and I couldn't even load a mission. So that was my experience. Um, I'm not going to hold it against the game, because I understand that this is not easy. They're launching a gigantic new IP. I know it's a, it's a fucking mess. I would not in a million years expect this to be, like, a flawless launch, because it's not a demo. It's just, like, a, a beta thing. They do this so that way the game can be better uh, down the line when it actually releases. But I was still disappointed that I tried to get into a mission, like, three times. It didn't work. It turned my entire PlayStation off when I tried to close the application. But that is... That's all I, I got to do, and that's that was my experience. So tell me about yours. Oh, dude. Uh, basically the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I was excited. I, da- I downloaded the game a couple days beforehand because I knew it was limited time, and I would be busy, so I wanted to have everything ready to go. So that was no problem. Uh, beta went on at, like, 9 a.m. on Saturday. I'm like, okay, exciting. Let's do it. Or maybe it was Friday. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, Friday. Anyway, so I get in. 
load up the game and it's just like you know welcome to anthem and then it just loads and loads and loads and loads <laughs> and loads never got into it i'm like what the fuck okay that's weird but uh, you know like you said it's a giant game lots of people i'm sure there was hundreds of thousands of people who were trying to get in all at the same time totally makes sense i had a code for my son too and he was a little disappointed but we had to talk before and i'm like look anything online never works the first day at least for the first couple hours, probably more like the first day. So just like, you know, just chill. If it works, great, but I'm not expecting it to. So we'll just give it a shot and see what happens. And we'll come back to it the next day. If it doesn't, okay. I gave the whole the whole online disappointment prep talk that I think all parents are should be giving to their kids these days because we live in a brand new world. So he couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. He tried a bunch of times. Uh, just like he would close the game, relaunch, load forever, close the game, relaunch, load forever. And, you know, he kept doing it for a long time. I, I tried, like, maybe two or three times. I'm like, fuck it. I got a life. I got things to do. I can't be sitting here trying to, like, reload the game. I don't think either one of us got in the entire first day. Like, we, he tried a bunch. I tried maybe three or four times over the course of the day. Couldn't get in. The second day, he managed to get in uh, a little bit. He got into the hub world for a while, which is, like, what you described, the kind of Middle Eastern bazaar sort of an area. Um, just, just to pause for a moment, I really dislike how this game looks. Oh, I think no. that, that, that bizarre looks super generic and weird. Everybody's <laughs> bald and they look like clones of each other. And I mean, frankly, dude, Bioware, one of the, the historical strengths of Bioware is that they have memorable characters. They have great stories and memorable characters. And that's what has really made them so successful over the years. And I, and I get that this is just a beta. I get this is not the experience that you would get when you buy it on day one or whatever. Like I get that. And I'm, I'm not bringing the hammer down on these guys, but I gotta say, like I was just really getting a very strong generic kind of bland whitewashed, uh, just real super generic, kind of a bungee feeling. Like I think bungee has terrible artistic design. I think about terrible writing. Uh, I, you know, I know that they do gunplay well and that's fine. I respect that. A lot of people like their online action also respect that but in terms of like story and narrative and visuals and aesthetics i thought they they've been the pits bungie is the pits <laughs> and i feel like this game is really really trying to uh to follow in their footsteps very closely um just just the visuals of it i was just like oh the ui looks like destiny the town looks super generic the people look super generic like it just looks very like boilerplate sci-fi shooter nothing stood out about it to me at all but anyway uh, I couldn't get in the second day at all. Couldn't get in. I tried maybe, I think, three or four more times, like in the morning, the afternoon, the evening time. I couldn't get in, but my son did manage to get in somehow, which was really frustrating to me because we're in the same house. <laughs> We've got the same same hardware. He got in and was playing a little bit. I couldn't get in ever on the second day. So I watched him for a little bit. It was glitchy. I mean, stuff was going on that was wrong. And again, I don't care. I mean, it's a beta that's fine. But like, it just was really running really poorly. But he was flying around in his mech suit. He seemed to be having a good time. I got to be honest, dude, as I was watching him, I was getting really bored watching it. I was like, he's just flying around and shooting stuff on the ground. And it looks, the aliens look really generic. And the action looks really repetitive and kind of not really exciting. Um, he got to a puzzle area, which again, reminded me very much of what Bungie has done with some of their puzzles. It was just this really kind of like color matching puzzle where you had to... I mean, honestly, I had to look it up online because neither one of us could figure it out. But you had to, like, look around the environment for these certain colors. And that matched up with what you were doing with the puzzle. I thought it was really super vague and dumb. 
Uh, he also thought that, but you know, thankfully somebody had written an article by that by that time, <laughs> you know, and and clearly that was a problem because people needed that article like myself. Uh, so that you know, I was like, uh, I started to cool off on it because just watching him play was really dull. I'm like, this doesn't look very exciting. Um, the third day. Uh, he got in again. He was having much better luck logging in than I was. He got in again, and he was able to play for a much longer period of time. He had leveled up a couple times. He had unlocked some of the other suits uh, that you mentioned, like the stealth one, and he had the heavy one that was his favorite, and he was enjoying that. I finally got into one mission. I, I got into the beginning, the hub world. I talked to the really generic people. I went on the first mission. Uh, and it, it was just like flying around, and you shoot some random aliens, and you did a thing basically just following the marker wherever the marker goes and just shooting whatever's there and then you know doing a couple really really super light puzzle element type things um not super exciting and then i completed the mission i got my loot which was a bunch of like really generic looking guns on a generic destiny looking ui screen and then it crashed and i'm like okay well i'll just reload and never got back in couldn't get back in couldn't finish the rest of the whatever the next mission was i couldn't come back to the hub to tweak my guy or whatever or look at the guns i got like i couldn't get past the loading screen anymore so i got in for like maybe i don't know like maybe like 10 minutes worth of gameplay and the 10 minutes i saw i mean granted a very brief look uh not representative of the full experience so forth and so on giving them all the benefit of the doubt <laughs> but in that one 10 minutes plus the time that i had been watching over my son's shoulder i really cooled off on it a lot like i was like oh, i don't know if this is gonna be a thing i mean i might be up for it in the sense of like you said where maybe we'd hook up and just do the the campaign and then you know be done with it but that's but to be honest i mean the division part two is coming out and i mean that's probably going to be at least as fun as the first one was and it's coming out almost exactly the same time as anthem is and i'm like eh, i don't know man like maybe i would just do the division again and not anthem because i'm just not feeling that juice man i'm just not feeling excited <laughs> about it anymore I know Bioware is making it, but I just don't think Bioware is Bioware, and I didn't see anything that really hooked me, and I'm like, uh, you know, maybe this will be the kind of thing where you come back in a year and it's much better than it is at launch, I mean, likely so, but uh, yeah, it just really cooled me off, and I'm not, and, and, and to be fair, I'm not mad about the beta failing and the technical difficulties or anything, I think, you know, just the little bit that I saw was enough to kind of, uh, I don't know, just kind of cooled me off quite a bit. Yeah, I was thinking about The Division as well because I am probably pretty interested in playing that with you guys again. And I feel like I would rather at least play that first so then come back to Anthem later. Because um, without a doubt, I didn't really think about it until you said it, but Anthem is probably one of those games like Destiny where six months to a year after it comes out, it's going to probably be like a much different thing than it is on launch day. And I'm sure it'll be much more stable and there will probably be a lot more in it to do and a lot more stuff out there so waiting on it is probably a good idea yeah yeah i mean looking at how far along it was they're going to be doing another beta i think it's going to be an open beta either next week or in two weeks or something like that um you know i might give it another shot but i'm just getting the feeling this is just not ready like it doesn't feel like there's enough there it, i uh, it's, i don't know man it's got a gut feeling it isn't going to do it for me so I think I'm going to I'm gonna probably table that one for a while. I mean, if we get a bunch of free codes, sure. But, I mean, if I have to, like, buy one, probably not for a while. So, anyway. Any final thoughts, or should we move on? Uh, I think we can move on. All right, cool. 
I'm going to give a little bit of a talk about a new game that I'm actually playing for review at Game Critics called Tangle Deep. Have you heard of it? I have not. Okay. Uh, I've been hearing buzz about it for a while. It's put out by Impact Gameworks, which uh, they kickstarted this, I think, two years ago, year and a half ago, something like that. It is a 16-bit roguelike pixel-based on the Switch, so you know I'm already in. You know, this is this is my this is my genre. This is my my Brad ass game here. Uh, basically, you are a character at I don't know the bottom of a underground cave or something. It's a little bit murky, but you're in this little area and there's a, a forest or this kind of weird randomly generated place called Tangle Deep, and you need to get through it. Your goal is to reach the surface. I'm guessing it's going to be some kind of post-apocalyptic story or something like that. I don't know that. That's just a guess. It's not spoilers or anything. I'm just from my from my my sense of playing the game. But it's a roguelike in the traditional sense of where you move one square at a time. Nothing in the world moves until you move. And so you're able to frequently pause and take in your environment, look around and kind of just, you know, choose your best tactical option and then execute one step at a time. I really do like um, roguelikes, which take that approach. This reminds me a lot of Sheer and the Wanderer, which I think is a really fine roguelike. Uh, enjoyed that very much back in the day. Um, so you you play this. I think there's like 10 different character classes that you can select from. The first one I tried was like a thief, and it had appropriately thiefy powers where you could move a little extra if you need to to get out of the way. You could uh, sneak by somebody and slash them and make them bleed a little bit and... Uh, take no damage yourself otherwise do some some combat stuff as you play you level up more powers and you you get more stuff more abilities unlock you also uh, can collect food which you can eat or cook for recipes later on you find um, animals in the maze or any animal i guess any enemy if you get it really close to dying and then whap it you can bring it back to base and it can be your friend so it's kind of pokemon like in that sense you don't have to engage with that system if you don't want to, but it's there if you like to do that, as you can have a little buddy go along with you, which helps. Um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, and it adheres to a lot of the basic design elements of, of most roguelikes, or most older-school roguelikes. Not not roguelites, where they kind of get away from the turn-based part, but this very much adheres to the turn-based part, which I think is a good thing. I do appreciate a good bit of classical design that's executed well, and these guys do execute well. Um, a lot of details, like there's a lot of equipment to pick up, a lot of stats to tweak. You can change your characters how you like. Um, and the classes really do give it a lot of flavor. Uh, I tried, the next class I tried was called a, uh, I want to say a, <laughs> I want to say Vegemancer, but that's that's totally not right. That's not the right <laughs> thing. It's not a Vegemancer. It's something like that where you're a plant, a plant-based magician. So you can summon like vines that have thorns or you can summon a flower that spits thorns or you can have a little uh, tendril of a plant that like goes along with you and is your buddy. Uh, so like each character has a very different way of playing, which I think is really cool. Like it gives the game a lot of freshness. There's a lot to explore with the different character builds and the different ways to play. Some are much easier. Like the Vegemancer is, is easy because he gets a friend right away. So having a helper is a huge, uh, huge um advantage in the beginning of the game other characters are way more like you know um, magic based or something that's that takes a lot more strategy and you have to know the game a lot better to be able to take advantage of their powers 
Uh, so that works really well. I mean, the graphics are really smooth and cute, and it looks good. looks like a very good 16-bit game, something that you might have seen on the Super Nintendo uh, with a little bit more pizzazz to it. Uh, not very far. I, I got into it at the beginning, and I'll tell you what, this is kind of circling back to our discussion with Resident Evil 2 where we talked about difficulty. One thing that I think is fucking awesome about Tangle Deep is they have a ton of options. So you can pick between easy, I mean, this is not the name of it. It's like easy, medium, hard. It's something like heroic, you know, uh, apprentice or master, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Easy, easy, medium, hard. (laughs) Um, The hardest level is like, if you die, that's permadeath and your save is erased. So that's pretty hardcore. The medium one is like, your character dies a permadeath, but everything that you have done at your home base is stays there. So like if you've uh, worked on the town or found some new citizens or you have some pets in your pet corral or if you put money in the bank or something like that, like that stuff stays, but you have to start with a new character. And the easy level is if you get killed, you only get knocked out. You start back at town and you lose half your money and your experience, but you still have the same character and all your gear and nothing is really lost. So that's a really good um, bunch of options right there. But on top of that, there's another menu screen where it gives you a whole bunch of options that can either make it really easy or really hard. So, for example, um, you can regenerate health with every step to make it a lot easier on yourself. Uh, You can, like, triple the amount of treasure chests you find. Or if you want to make it really hard on yourself, the enemies can generate health and you don't. Or enemies will be hyper-aggressive, or you can, like, make them less aggressive. I mean, there's all sorts of options in there that let you tailor it the way that you want to play, which I think is amazing. Uh, because roguelikes are already kind of a hard genre to approach to begin with, because traditionally, uh, challenges are really, you know, it's it's one of the, the prices you pay for admission. Uh, but for them to be to be like, hey, look, just play with our systems. If you die, nothing happens. I can make it really easy for you. And in fact, when I started, I turned on all of the the help because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go real easy. I want the the soft satin pillow route. Take it easy. Don't do anything mean to me at all. And it was too easy. I was like, oh, this is way too easy. I'm like basically invincible. I'm blowing through this. This is not what I'm looking for. I respect that it's there. It's awesome that it's there. I'm sure my son would love that mode or anybody who doesn't like challenge. Uh, Not that that's a good or bad thing, just if you want to play that way. So I actually, I deleted that save, went back, and then I started playing it on, like, the standard, normal, like, whatever the recommended settings were, and I think that's much more appropriate. It feels pretty balanced so far, because I am uh, pretty familiar with roguelikes, so I know how they play, and I'm a little bit hip to that, so I'm, I'm playing along. That feels pretty good, uh, but I think it's great. It's a good package, looks good, plays well, love the options. I think there's a lot of depth to it. Uh, it's really, really cool. I mean, I think... Uh, Anybody who likes roguelikes would be very well served to check this out. And it feels great on the Switch. Runs fine. Looks beautiful. Feels like a great fit for the controls. I mean, I don't really have any complaints about it at all. I have not finished. I'm nowhere near the end, but I've put maybe five or six hours into it by now. And uh, nothing but good things to say about it. Just really, really well done roguelike. I'm digging it. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. And I also unfortunately have like no responses for this at all. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I keep picking games that are absolutely not in your bailiwick, and so I know it's tough uh, to, to have a discussion about that. But for anybody listening, if you like roguelikes, if you like uh, Sheeran the Wanderer or anything like that, this is right in that, this is in that same zone, and it's really well done. Uh, looking forward to playing more of it. I mean, I don't, I can't say with authority that it's great all the way through, but the five or six hours I've seen so far have been super solid. 
very enjoyable, and I'm still playing it a lot. So Tangle Deep seems like the business so far. Um, one or two more things, and then we're going to be out. We're going to make this pretty quick. Yesterday, I got an email from Sony doing their year-end statistics. Did you get this email, Corey, or did you not get this email? I did not get this email, and I did not get it last year either. And it pissed me off when I didn't get it, but I'm glad that there's a way to get it, even if you didn't get the email. I don't understand why some people get it and some people don't, because like it seemed like half the people I knew got it and half the people didn't. And there was really no rhyme or reason to it. Like I don't some people that seemed like really hardcore players didn't get one and some people that were super casual got one. And I don't know why or how they're selecting people to get this email. But like you said, there is a website you can go to. Um, I know of the one for North America. I'm not sure if there's one for other regions. But if you go to PlayStation.com slash EN hyphen US slash campaigns slash 2018 slash wrap up, you can go and find your own <laughs> stats. So I know that's a lot to say. I'm not going to say it again. But if you Google it, year end PS4 stats, you'll find the website. I think a couple news uh, sites have also covered this as well. But anyway, I thought it would be fun for us to compare our stats and just talk about this really briefly because I think it's interesting. Uh, and uh, I don't know, just see what. What discussions uh, pop up? Let's uh, let's talk about this a little bit, shall we? I love this. I think we should go one stat at a time and reveal ours as we go. Okay, let's do this. Do you have the website open? I am on it right now. Okay, so the first category is number of games you played. In 2018, I played exactly 100 different games. Corey, how many did you play? Dang, I came up short. I played 65 65 still pretty good though still pretty good that's at least like one a week or a little bit more than one a week right not bad not bad and again folks this is ps4 only this is not including switch or xbox one so like obviously the numbers for both of us are going to be higher probably also for you as well if you're a multi-platform person but uh i didn't get my you know actually that's not true i did get an email from xbox one did you get one do you do you have an xbox one uh i have one but i did not get an email either i got one a while ago it was like on january 1st or something but it was pretty nothing notable about it because i i barely play it so it wasn't really worth talking about anyway next category this surprised me a lot and i'm curious to hear yours your top games Corey. what were your top games that tells you your top three what was your top three all right my number three and this made me feel good about justifying it on my game of the year list my number three was far cry 5 which i played for 30 hours i was surprised to see this on here but i'm glad I played it that much, I guess, because it makes me feel better about putting it on my top 10. My number two was Marvel's Spider-Man, which came as no surprise. I played that for 45 hours. And my number one, despite it coming out at the tail end of the year, was Hitman 2, which I played for 60 hours. Interesting. Okay, so those are good numbers. I, I was actually very surprised by mine. I would not have guessed what this actually was. So my number three was Warframe, 75 hours, which I'm like, What? How did I play 75 hours of Warframe this year? That seems crazy to me. <laughs> Number two, Monster Hunter World for 124 hours. That one makes sense. I, I do remember putting quite a bit of time into that. Number, Can you guess what my number one game is? Mm, I cannot. Fortnite. <laughs> <It's ridiculous. laughs> is that because your son plays it? Or is it just your no, stats? No, that was just me, like, plinking along here and there, a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, oh playing with friends God. here and there. Brad. 143 hours of Fortnite. I never in a million you years would have guessed. You never talk about Fortnite, and you play it the most out of any game. <laughs> That's why I was so surprised. I'm like, how did I play 143 hours? I never talk about Fortnite, but I obviously I play it. So oh there you go. Oh, my God. That is so funny. All right. 
That, oh, dude, you could have knocked me over with with a leaf. I had no no idea, no idea. Uh, the next one, your top genres. They list your top three genres. What is your what is, what are the two that are in the in the ranking, and then what is your number one top one that they give you stats for? Um, my number two. I only have two. My number two is first person shooter. My number one is action adventure. Did they give you stats for that? They do. Um, I, allegedly, I have played twenty five action adventure games. I have earned two hundred and three trophies in them, and I've played them for a combined two hundred and thirteen hours. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. They gave me three genres. My my two lower genres were action adventure and RPG. My top genre was shooter, which is weird because I'm not really a shooter fan. Like now, obviously I don't. You are Fortnite. Hello. I, I mean, I guess, but I don't even. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. So I, I played twelve games that qualified as a shooter. I only got fifty five trophies because I'm not a trophy hunter in any way. But I did put in a total combined uh, two hundred and seventy five hours on shooters. Oh that gosh. is. That is shocking to me. That is scandalous, sir. It makes me wonder how they categorize their games, though. Yeah, that's interesting. So the next one is a good one. This is your overall year-to-date stats. Uh, In 2018, you played X amount of hours. Corey, how many hours did you put into your PS4 in 2018? I played 485 hours of gameplay. 485. I put in 757 hours. Oh, my God, Brad. (laughs) <laughs> that's almost that, twice what i've played jesus I christ i know it i know it man uh okay so this is the this is an interesting one too i i think you're gonna have much different numbers than i will uh they break it out into three categories so those numbers uh that we just talked about your yearly total broken out into three categories locally uh which is usually i'm guessing just single player stuff online and vr now what did you play locally online and vr well, I don't have PSVR, so I have zero hours for VR because I play VR on PC. Um, oh, damn it. That's right. I keep, for- I keep thinking you have PSVR, but you actually have, what, the Vive? Yeah, I've got the Vive on PC. So Okay. okay. Yeah, zero so what about VR. the rest? And this, this actually cracked my ass up. So I played 485 hours of gameplay total. I played, out of those 485, my local hours were 485. Four. I played one <laughs> hour online last year. A oh my god! Hour. Oh my god! That is fucking amazing. I love that. That is amazing. Uh, I had six hundred and ninety-seven local hours, sixty hours online. I mean, that makes sense. And zero in VR because I do not dip into PSVR. Uh, next one: longest gaming streak, which is like the longest session you had. What was your longest session? Mine, I'm really scared because I want mine to be longer than yours, but I bet you're, you will have played longer. Um, my longest gaming streak was 10 consecutive hours. Oh, my God. You monster. You absolute monster. Mine was three hours, oh, dude. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you. I wish they would tell you what it was. I bet you it was Hitman 2, honestly. I'm sure it was, dude. I'm sure it was. <laughs> what else could it possibly have been? Uh, the next one is out of 365 days that make up the last year of 2018, how many of those days did you play your PS4, Corey? 146. 146. I played my PS4 284 days out of 365. So that's pretty good. That's oh pretty God. good. Pretty high. 
Uh, your prime gaming hours. Uh, what were your prime gaming hours, and what was your prime day to play? My prime hours were evening, and my prime day was Saturday. So I guess Saturday nights is where it's at. Interesting. My prime gaming hours were late night. Makes perfect sense, because I got to get the family to bed. Got to do my chores around the house, and then when that's all done, that's when I play. Usually I don't even sit down with something until midnight or 1 o'clock. Prime day was Friday, so I don't know why Friday, but uh, there you go. Uh, how many trophies did you earn in 2018? Um, I earned 491, 363 were bronze, 89 were silver, 39 were gold. That's crazy, because I thought mine would have been way less. It says that I've earned 499 oh, in dang. 2018. You I don't just I don't... beat me, you jerk. I mean, I wasn't even trying, dude. I don't trophy hunt at all, but I had 24 gold, 89 silver, no platinum, and 386 bronze. Those must be the ones you get for just turning the game on, you know? Like, <laughs> welcome to our game. Poop, here's a trophy. <laughs> Makes you feel good about yourself. Uh, and let's see, is there anything else, or is that... Uh... Oh, okay, yeah. PlayStation... Are you a PlayStation Plus member? I'm... I, technically, I'm not, but Patrick is, so I think that counts for my profile, too. Did it give you stats for that? I have my top game played online. Okay, so for me, it gives me my PlayStation Plus specific stats. Maybe you don't have this. Uh, it says I downloaded 10 free games in 2018. I saved $101.45. And it says... Uh, and then what is the next one? You have top game played online? Yes. What is that for you? Um, that was Hitman 2 with my single hour of online gameplay. You won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, Monster Hunter World, 42 hours. Uh, is there anything else? We're kind of getting to the tail end of this. And then it gives you like a brief summary. Uh, we don't have to go through these. It gives, you, it gives you a breakdown of like the games you played and the trophies you earned and the hours you spent month by month. So everybody has a, a breakdown of that. And then at the very end, they give you like a thank you for playing. They give you a cute little title. What is the title that you got? Oh, I didn't realize these were like customized. My title is masterful adventurer oh i have masterful marksman oh yeah because you like shooter games and i like action adventure games apparently yeah I, apparently i want to know what month did you spend the most hours playing and what month did you play the most games okay so that's that's a good question the game i played the most games well april and november i both played 10 games uh, and then in terms of hours, I put 110 hours into January. Second runner-up was probably 90 in February. And then it kind of just trails down from there. What about you? Oh, my God. Okay, mine are kind of all over the place. But the most games I played in one month was only six, and that was in March. But the most hours I spent playing a game or playing games was in April um, with 71 hours and then November with 67 hours, which was probably mostly Hitman. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, that brings us to the end of this little thing. I love these little breakdowns, dude. I don't know whose idea it was to start doing this, but I love getting these little end-of-the-year wrap-ups. Um, this one is awesome. I think there's a lot of really cool and surprising information. I, well, like I said, I did get one from Xbox One. It, there wasn't a lot on there because I barely turned my Xbox One on. It made me, it made me look like uh, Sea of Thieves was my top game and all this shit. And I'm like, okay, this is super, super inaccurate. It's, it's not me. But <laughs> this PlayStation One, I think, is pretty on the mark. Do you feel like this is a pretty good reflection? Do you think they got their numbers right? Oh yeah, I think this is really neat. 
I love this thing. This is so interesting. So, folks, uh, go check out your stats. If you are a PS4 owner, you can uh, Google this thing, and, or you can go back and rewind and try to catch the URL that I read out to you. Uh, but you can find it. Ask around. Ask your friends. You'll find it and see what you did. I, if you've got anything crazy, let us know, because I would love to see how we stack up with you and uh, see how that shakes down. Because, you know, we work at a, a, a game review site. We play a lot of games. We podcast. I mean, I think that we're probably pretty serious about playing games. I would be curious to hear what the listener stats are. Are there listeners that, like, make us seem like complete newbies? Are they? <laughs> are they? Are we putting them to shame? Like, I, I kind of want to know. So, folks, let us know if you care to share. Um, otherwise, uh, one last thing and then we are out. I wanted to... I guess I should probably let you talk about this. Uh, Corey, do you see the next thing on the agenda there? I do. Um, I wasn't super prepared to talk about this, but I'll just give a tiny little shout out to, um, Mr. I know this isn't your real name, but Mr. DJ Koa on SoundCloud. Um, I was, I don't, I guess like concerned. I don't know. Like he, so he likes quote unquote, and by likes, I mean, hits the like button on SoundCloud for pretty much like every show um which is great i love that um i don't like expect people to do that but i think like literally if i go to soundcloud and look at our stats like i think he's our top listener like forever for like all of the time that we've been doing the podcast and i think he is our top like likes if you will um which thank you that's awesome i love that but i noticed that he like hadn't liked a few episodes and i was like oh god what's going on like did we say something, like, mean, or did he just, like, lose interest in the podcast? Like, what's going on? Um, did he die? Like, who knows? Did he get sick? I don't know. So I messaged him. On, I slid into his DMs on SoundCloud. Um, but he had messaged me previously, so, like, we, you know, it wasn't, like, a new thing for us. And just thought I would check in and see how he's doing, making sure he's all right, see if everything's cool. And he was. So good news. Uh, DJ Koa is not dead. He is alive and kicking, and he... Uh, said thank you and told us never to never stop doing the podcast. <laughs> so uh, luckily we don't have any plans to stop doing the podcast anytime soon. So we'll be here for a while uh, for your listening pleasure. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was, he sent a very sweet message back after I checked in and uh, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was cute. So thank you for messaging us back and thank you for still rocking with us on the show because let's be real here. The listeners are the real MVPs here. Um, Brad and I just, show up and sit here and talk for a few minutes, but you guys are uh, the MVPs in this situation. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that we've got uh, DJ Koa out there in, like, SoundCloud land, um, uh -huh. and it's, you know, like, he's just, he kind of stands out in that area, so that was really neat, and I know that he, like, likes the show, and he's, he's dropped comments a few times, and so uh, the last comment that he gave us after you kind of reached out to him was a really sweet comment and very nice, and so I just wanted to give him a shout-out. Thank you very much. For listening, DJ Koa, thank you for being out there representing, holding it down for us out on SoundCloud. I really, I really <laughs> appreciate that you got our backs, and thank you for listening. And uh, just hey, shout out to you. <laughs> uh, all right, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you all very much for listening. Very glad to have you aboard. Um, nothing else to say for now, but in the meantime, please remember that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else that you would like to. You can hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. I guarantee we will read your message. We respond. We love getting feedback from people. Don't be shy. Let us know what you think. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com. Once the show goes up there, just hit the podcast tab on the homepage. If you don't see it, uh, we are also on Twitter as a show collectively at so video games, uh, but you can also reach us individually. I think that's a really good way to go. 
Uh, my Instagram and Twitter is B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Uh, all A's, no O's. Corey, where can people find you on the social media? Uh, they can also find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Um, my uh, handles are my first and last name as well. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y. The E is very important. People always want to leave the E out. C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y, and that's where you'll find me. Excelente. All right. That is the end of another Soviet Games. Again, thank you, folks, so much for joining us on this deeply emotional and spiritual journey. <laughs> love having you aboard. Love sharing this time with you. Uh, love having an audience. And reach out and say hi if you feel uh, so inclined. Also, don't forget, uh, we do have banter after closing music if you like to hear that. If not, don't worry about it. Just bail now and you won't miss uh, anything really game-related. Uh, and that's it for now. In the meantime, uh, we will see you uh, later. And this is Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. Yeah, we're doing banter. We're doing banter. Let me start because my life is falling apart at the seams. Oh, and I'm no. Just like, <laughs> it is fucking madness, dude. I had a really busy week. Uh, please forgive me if I'm really scattered today because I do not feel like my shit is in order at the moment. <laughs> I uh, was really busy last week. was, you know, housework, um, stay-at-home dad stuff, homeschooling, et cetera, et cetera. And I was also, like, hell-bent on getting XCOM 2 finished. And so I was, like, trying to squeeze in, like, every... Every spare, like, 15 minutes or something, I would, like, jump on and try to get a little bit further and, you know, try to get that knocked out. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, we hit the weekend. Gina's going to be home. Nothing's really going on. I'm going to get caught up on my stuff, like, household stuff. I'm going to get caught up on Game Critic stuff because that fell through the cracks. I was supposed to post on Friday, and I got just overwhelmed with life stuff and couldn't do it. And then I'm like, I got some paperwork to do. And then I helped Gina with some of her stuff because she's got like this like huge, ridiculously huge, like mountain load of, of stuff that she needs to do. So I'm like kind of her like ad hoc assistant and stuff. And I ended up just working the entire weekend because we had like a rash of people um, who had emergencies pop up. And so I literally spent like all day yesterday and all day Saturday just in and out of the emergency room helping people with uh, stuff that was going on. So I didn't get fuck all done on anything <laughs> i mean i helped people who needed it which was good but at the same time like i came home i mean gina did a lot of the heavy lifting she did a lot of the housework that i was supposed to do and she did a lot of the stuff that i was supposed to do and i'm like oh thank you so much because i know you worked really hard during the week and then for you to do all this stuff on the weekend is a lot and i appreciate you doing it and i didn't even ask you or anything you just did it out of goodness of your heart because you're my awesome wife like that uh, but i still had like a jillion things to do and so like here's monday monday morning rolls around and i'm like oh my god I feel like the clock is already ticking. I got shit going down. I start a huge project on Monday and my life is just like out of control, spinning wildly out of control. <laughs> um, but we are here and for the next, you know, hour and 45 minutes, tight show, tight show, two hours. Uh, we're going to just focus on game stuff. I'm actually glad to be talking to you because it's kind of like a little moment of Zen in the middle of my day. So oh, this is good. Okay. That is how I'm doing. How are you doing, sir? Um, I, I have to be frank with you. I'm having a bit of a... <clears throat> I'm, I'm double dipping right now during banter. I'm having a nice self-care moment while I do banter with you. I'm actually taking off 
my nail polish right now. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to say it. I was like, are you doing your nails? I know you're doing your nails. There's oh only God. so many things you can do when you're podcasting, and nails is one of them. Yeah, because I, I, I don't have to like use my hands for anything. And, yeah. and I mean, taking off nail polish is not a t- difficult thing to do. I'm not going to paint them while we record, because that would be a little overboard. But um, I'm a, I had kind of a... Like, I mean, I definitely don't think my day was nearly as rough as your weekend, but today it works. So, like, I took Friday off work because I went to Atlanta, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And, um, and like, I kind of have, I probably said this before, but I kind of have one of those jobs at my office where, like, I'm kind of the only person that does my job. And, like, there are people who are, like, kind of, sort of supposed to, like, back me up if I'm not there, but they don't really do a whole lot. So, of course, I get to the office today after being out of town all weekend, and, like, every motherfucking person, every student at the university, I feel like all just, like, fought each other all weekend. Like, we had all these <laughs> fucking incidents. There was, like, one floor and one door. Oh, you mean, like, li- like literally fighting? Like, like literally like, fighting. Like, literally fighting. Literally <laughs> fighting. Like, we had one, and I'm, I mean, I'm not going to name any specifics because that would be against the rules, but, like, we had one, like, one specific floor of one dorm where we had probably, like, it was, like, three or four incidents that all kind of happened, like, around the same time involving, like, 15 different dudes. And, like, two, like I think, like, two of them might have, like, gotten in a fight, like, a literal, like, fight in their dorm room. And, like, I think one of the students was, like, drunk and he was, like, trying to, like lie to the RAs about, like, why the other guy got hurt, and, like, it's just, like, and luckily, like, I don't have to investigate this, but I have to, like, sift through all the information. Like, we had that going on. We, like, literally had a student who, like, I mean, that was, like, maybe an assault right there, but we had, like, another student who hit another student on the same floor and the same dorm and the same night, and we had, like, a bunch of dudes who were, like, mouthing off to the RAs and to the RDs and... Um, you know, like, and even, like, our, like, our campus's police department showed up, and, like, we had a student freaking call, like, that, oh, my God, she, like, doesn't get along with her roommate, so she, like, went downstairs, and we have, like, so the university I work for, we have, like, our own university police department, which is not uncommon for universities, but we also have, like, like, a security, kind of, like, a private security force, and that sounds, like, more cool than I'm making it sound. It's basically just, like, door guards for the dorms, like, pretty much. Like, they're not, like, armed, and they don't really have any, like, agency. They just kind of, like, are, like, door security. And so she, like, went downstairs and, like, told the security dude at the door that there was, like, a man in her room that was making her uncomfortable. What? So so the, the guard called the campus police to come, like, investigate what was going on, and it was her fucking roommate's boyfriend, and it's just, like, she, it's just because they're not getting along, so she must be, like, I, I don't know if she's trying to be, like, as petty as she can possibly be, or, like, what, like, the dynamic is between them, but, like, she literally was, like, moving out of the room to, like, go to a different dorm the next day because they've been, like in this conflict for since the beginning of the semester and like the night before she moves out she like has the security guard call the police because her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend were there at the same time so like the police come and they're basically just like oh it's your roommate's boyfriend like she made it like 
I guess she must have made it sound to the security officer like it was just some like random like it was dude. a stranger or something. Yeah, sure, sure. and so like obviously the police like didn't need to come, but it was just like I don't know. It's just like so I got to work today, and of course like after being gone all weekend, like Mondays are always bad because like I don't work on the weekends, so like the incidents just like pile up over the weekend, and then I always end up staying late on Monday to like try to get everything sorted out, but. The fact that I took Friday off, too, and, like, Thursday night into Friday is when, like, all this, like, ridiculous shit happened with, like, people getting, you know, people getting in fights and just, like, all this stuff. So I was, like, try and, like, the weird thing about, like, my job, too, is, like, we get, you know, so people write incident reports for this stuff. Well, sometimes I'll get, like, four incident reports for the same thing, and I have to, like, read through all of them and, like, piece all of this together and sometimes people don't write incident reports very well and sometimes people do and everybody writes them a little bit differently so it's like you know sometimes like staff will write them like really thoroughly and it'll be like really like clear what happened and they'll just like format them well and sometimes people write them and they're just like all over the place and they like skip around in the timeline and like there'll be like an involved party at the top of the page that's not even mentioned in the description of what happened and it's just, like, it's a freaking mess sometimes. But, I mean, you know, like, obviously it could be worse. Like, my job is A-OK, but Monday, today just kind of, like, really took it out of me a tiny bit at work, freaking reading through all these reports and trying to figure out, like, who did what and who punched whom and who was the creepy guy in the room. And it's just, yeah, it's silly. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> like, I don't know how you don't even, like, come in on Monday morning and see that shit stacked up at your desk and just, like, fucking flip the desk and just, like, walk out and be like, you know what? You guys just keep your shit to yourself. Like, behave like people. Like, how do you even put up with that stuff? It sounds like fucking madness, dude. Well, the way that I put up with it is because I don't actually have to put up with it. Because I'm not the one... I'm not the person who, like, meets the students or talks to the students or, like, investigates their, like, bad conduct behavior or whatever. I think that is what helps me. Because all I have to do is read the reports and, like, piece together what happened and then figure out who like the people need to be assigned to like whether they need to see the conduct office or whether they need to like get help from a case manager or sometimes they need both or you know it just like really depends on the situation but luckily I don't actually have to like talk to the students because I don't think I would be I think I'd be capable of being a good like conduct conduct investigator but I don't know if it's something I would ever want to do but luckily I just read the reports and then send them out and then um you know and then uh and then, you know, other people take care of it. But what does make me mad is whenever, like, there's really, like, dumb shit that takes up my time at work. Whenever there's, like, actual students who have real issues who need help. You know, students who's, like, one of their parents just died. Or a student who had, like, uh, I don't know, like, a nervous breakdown panic attack and is, you know, like, hyperventilating in their room or something like that. Like, those are students that, like really need help and then you have like students who call the police on their roommate's boyfriend and it's like you're just like wasting everybody's time on like multiple levels and I wish that it just kind of sucks when that kind of takes away from like the students that like legitimately need the help you know what I mean I mean totally and I just it's so weird because college is such a weird thing in this country for many reasons but in this one particular aspect it's just crazy to me that like people would pay all this money and like i mean apparently work so hard or at least they must have done some modicum of work to even get into college i guess unless you've got zero standards but you get there and then you just act like a dipshit and you can't keep your personal stuff in check and like this sounds like just drama and nonsense and like oh my god dude like hearing you tell this stuff and just like i'm trying to imagine myself at your desk and if i was i don't know if you have a window or not but if i was you i would like if i had a window if you do have a window i would sit at my window 
And I would just fucking sneer at that window like all day long at those fucking dipshits on campus. Like, fuck you and fuck you. You're paying the fuck you too. Ah, you, oh, I, I would be the bitterest like Grinch ass dude up in that office. Oh man, I'm glad you got that job and not me because I, I don't think I'd be a good fit for it. Yeah, I mean, I I do an awful lot of like eye rolling at work, but there you go. I mean, you I go. don't know. And, the, and like the weird thing about the university I work for is that it's like it's like a private, like pretty, like it's like a pretty prestigious university. Like I like I and so, but the weird thing is like because it's kind of prestigious and because a lot of the kids that go to the school there come from pretty like wealthy families. Like, you know, when you said the thing about like them paying all the money to go there, like that is kind of something that people often use as leverage, like against the university. They're like, well, I'm paying so much money to go here. Like, why doesn't my son or daughter have this? Or why don't you offer that? Or, you know, why can't you accommodate this? And it's like, you know, they kind of turn it around into like a oh, well, I'm paying so much, so why can't you do this? And it's like, well, that's because that's just not a thing we have. You know, like, people will demand stuff that, you know, stuff that we don't have, or, you know, the, the parents often think that something is an absolute emergency whenever it's totally not in a million years, even close to an emergency, and there's just a lot, just a lot going on at my yeah. The university. Yeah. Well, okay, so somewhat, somewhat segueing, kind of a double segue, just a quick hop and then a real segue. <laughs> Speaking of college, speaking of money, I was actually just, um, I saw an article that passed by uh, a minute ago. We don't have to talk about this deeply, but basically they were talking about some of the um, the tax giveaways that Trump has been giving, you know, like he's been giving all these tax breaks to the rich people. I'm not going to get super political, but since we're talking about college and apparently he gave, you know, like, like all total so far, the money that he has like allowed rich people to not pay to the government that they should pay is something on the order of like $1.5 trillion, like all told. And, like, you know, the person who was doing the article was like, that's enough money to make college free for everybody in America for, like, the next 20 years. So, I mean, think about what kind of impact that would have if, like, every kid who wanted to go, who, like, legit wanted to go to college, not to fuck around and punch people and get drunk and fuck and stuff, (laughs) but, like, to actually, like, learn and to make life a better place, but they can't. I mean, there's, there must be, I don't even know how many people out there who really, who, like, legit really want to go to college to make their life better, to make their lives better for their families or whatever, and can't afford it. And I mean, not only do you have these, these, whoever these people are on your campus who are fucking around and have the money for to fuck around, but like, you know, here's our government who's like, oh yeah, we're going to just like these people who are just billionaires already. We're going to let them save a trillion dollars and, and fuck everybody in this country, which I think is just like a huge injustice. I just like makes me kind of sick. So, I mean, we don't have to dwell on that. I just wanted to touch on that really quickly <laughs> because it was like a little factoid that came across my radar. But speaking of Trump in somewhat a, a related sense. Not in about him specifically or anything like that, but like the trickle down effect, the Trump effect, if you will. Um, something that really hit home in my house on a very personal level in my family just happened yesterday, as a matter of fact. So you've seen those fucking hats, right? The red hats. Oh, of course. MAGA hats. Yeah, okay. So we live in Seattle, super blue. I mean, probably one of the bluest parts of the country right now. I mean, heart, hyper hardcore blue area. Which is great. I love it. I'm glad that I'm here. I mean, I didn't plan it that way. It just kind of worked out, but I think that's perfect. So we're pretty isolated from a lot of the red shit going on, which is good. Uh, But my my son, he loves the color red. Red has been his favorite color since birth. He is nine years old now, and Trump has only been a thing for, like, what, the last two and a half years, three years or something like that? Give or take. In a real sense, anyway. Yeah, give or take, something like that. So my son has loved red since before Trump was a thing. And before before Trump made these fucking 
hats a thing because honestly this hat is like the equivalent of like wearing the swastika as far as i'm concerned like if you wear that hat you are telling people you are a racist you are for trump you're looking to start shit like it's a flag right like it's not just it's not just a hat with my political views like it's it's you're making a fucking statement that's loud and it's out in front street and people can see it from anywhere because it's on your head it's red it's got the letters and everybody knows what it means right i mean that's i mean that's how i see it is that how you feel basically like do you agree with that um i would say that red hats have been ruined forever after trump yeah even if they don't have writing on them anytime i see someone in a red hat ever i'm like oh they must be an asshole see that is exact okay so so yes exactly that because what happened was my son loves red has always loved red it is still his favorite color ever since he's a baby since he was old enough to say the word red he has this red baseball cap that he always wears. And so yesterday, we're going to go out, take a walk around the neighborhood, get some fresh air. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where's my red hat? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I put it up on this shelf. Or, you know, He's like, oh, I want to wear it. And I'm like, mm, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to let you wear it. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, because it looks too much like a MAGA hat or MAGA hat or whatever you want to say. I'm like, it looks too much like a Trump hat. And we don't support that. I don't want people to think that you're a Trump kid. Like, even though there's no letters on it, it looks too much at a glance like you are a Trump supporter. And, like, we are in a really blue area. Now, it's not like I think I'm, like, I wasn't, like, afraid for my life or anything. Like, I didn't think, like, liberal people were going to come beat us on the street or anything. But, you know, like, you get glances and people are like, oh, are you one of those Trump fuckers? And, you know, like, it's just, I would never, you know, I would never let him out of the house in a shirt that had a symbol that kind of looked like a swastika on it. <laughs> like, in in that same sense, I would never let him out of the house with that red hat. And he was fucking bummed, dude. Like, he was super sad because this is a thing that has always been near and dear to him. It has nothing to do at all with Trump. But Trump has fucking ruined, the. I mean, the color red in a very large sense, kind of like what you said. But especially red hats, even if they don't have any lettering on them. And here's, like, this innocent nine-year-old kid, sweetest kid on earth, who just wants to wear this hat that he's always worn. And, like, he can't do it. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe it would have been fine. But, like, I didn't want to risk it, dude. Like, I was like, this is not a cool time to wear a hat like this. This is not a politically safe time to wear a hat like this. I don't want anybody misunderstanding or assuming because it's just, it's just not fucking cool, dude. And, you know, we explained it and he understood it after a while, but it like really hurt his feelings and he was really super sad and I felt sad and my wife felt bad. And like, we all were just like, <laughs> God damn it. You know, I just one more way that Trump has fucking ruined this fucking country, dude. Like something even, even as small as that, like he has managed to like ruin the afternoon of a nine year old child on the complete opposite side of the country just by being a fucking asshole, just by him existing has like, he put a damper on my kid's day and that is not okay, dude. Fucking, I was really upset about the whole thing, honestly. Well, if you, if the biggest impact that he has had on your life is that your son can't wear a red hat, I would count yourself pretty lucky. Well, on a, uh, I don't know that it's just that, but I think there's probably a lot of other impacts we may be, we're not talking about right now, but just that one thing, it just really got me, dude. Like I just, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's just like the whole we can't have nice things magnified by like a billion because of all the shit that's going down in this country. And I just I don't know. There's all this other shit. I mean, I could rant about Trump for hours. We're not going to do that. We're I not never get want political. to do that ever. We're ever. not going to do that. Never. I'm not going to do that. But just just this one thing, like, it's just, you know, this one moment where it was just like, God fucking damn it. You know, like, fuck that guy. Fuck everything he stands for. Fuck every Republican. If my kid wants to wear a red hat. He should be able to wear a fucking red hat. And not have people think he's a fucking Nazi. But anyway, that was just that one little thing I wanted to bring up because it just really fucking got under my skin. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that's the worst thing Trump's done. I know there's like a billion other things, but just 
just that one moment I just wanted to recognize as something that was just really particularly shitty. So, anyway, what else you got to banter about, dude? What else, what non-political stuff you got? Well, I was... You took a trip. Yeah, I was in... You just got back. You just got I back. was in Atlanta all weekend. Um, yeah, I flew out Friday um, and... Basically went to photograph a parkour competition thing that uh, some guys that I know are having there. And honestly, like the trip, like could not have gone smoother because we booked our tickets like a week and a half before the flight. And we used some website that my friend Ian knows that like, I guess has like really cheap flights. So we ended up flying Spirit, which is like the cheapest airline you could fly. And uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Uh huh. Yeah. Cause usually I fly Southwest because the tickets are kind of expensive, but like you don't really pay anything extra because whenever you get cheap flights, like anytime you add anything on, like it's like, oh, you want to print your boarding pass? It's ten dollars extra. Oh, you need to take <laughs> a carry on. Kidding? It's forty five dollars. Like, I oh mean, that's, my god, that's kind of how Spirit is. Like, because with Spirit, like you have if you if you fly with only one small bag as your like personal item, quote unquote, then you basically don't have to pay for anything. But if you need a personal item and a carry on, the carry on is like $45. And then if you need to check a bag, I don't know how much checking a bag is, but it's probably like $50 or something like that. So luckily, um, you know, we planned the weekend so that I wouldn't, I just put everything in my camera bag. And because we're only gonna be there for a couple days, I just wore the same jeans all weekend and just took like a few shirts with me and stuff. And sure, sure. Um, Smart so way to go. Smart way to go. Yeah. So it ended up being like, a, like Ian, like I went with my friends, Ian and Levi and Ian's flight, his round trip flight, to Atlanta and back was only like $55 and Levi and mine were like $80. So it was like super cheap to fly there and back. And like pretty much everything went as smoothly as it could have possibly gone. Like the, we got to the airport on time. Um, the flight was only like an hour long. So it was really short. Um, the Atlanta airport is large, but it was easy to get around in cause they have like a tram inside of it. So it was just like nice. When we got to Atlanta, Julian was there ready to pick us up. He was the guy who put the jam on and who like, Basically, we stayed at his um, apartment all weekend, so he was, like, there ready to pick us up, and then, like, he and his girlfriend pretty much drove us around all weekend, and it just, like, everything just, like, worked so well. Like, we had the competition on Saturday, and it basically went from, like, 11 to probably about 8 or so, and it was kind of like an open gym, like, practice sesh from 11 to 3, and then the actual competition stuff started at 3, and they had... um category parkour competitions for speed run skill and style and they had like different stuff going on for every category and ian the guy who went with us who's the guy from new orleans that i photograph a lot um he took first place in speed and skill so he like aced to he didn't compete in style he probably would have placed in style if he had competed but um he ended up winning two out of three categories so um that was kind of cool like we basically went and like i don't think any like Atlanta natives there took first place in anything because we um, like Ian from our group took first and then one of the guys I think he's from like South Carolina or something took um, first in style so that was kind of funny because like Atlanta hosted it and they didn't really like place in anything which is kind of hilarious but um, <laughs> kind of embarrassing yeah so like we did that and I took pictures the whole time and met a bunch of new people and then we went out one of the guys the other guys who hosted the uh comp Jay um he just had people over at his house that night so basically we went to the parkour competition all day we got dinner and then we a bunch of us went back over to Jay's house and drank and it was awesome and then 
Sunday we got up and we were gonna um, try to train on Sunday, but everybody was kind of tired and some people were hungover, so we didn't train on Sunday. But then he took us to the airport. We flew back, and I got back yesterday at like about four ish, um, and thought briefly about spending all night editing photos because I know I have a lot of people waiting on photos for me right now. But instead, I copied my photos onto the computer, and then I turned the computer off and played Resident Evil 2 for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do self-care, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and plus, like, I had bought Resident Evil and only played it for, like, 45 minutes before I went out of town because I had to pack and everything, and then... Yeah, like, you, you like, left the day that it came out, right? Yeah, because it came out on Friday, uh... and I was, like, in turmoil trying to figure out what to do because I hadn't pre-ordered it, and they had three different versions of it. They had, like, the $60 version, I think there was a $70 or $80 version, and then the ridiculous like $200 like ridiculous collector's edition and I wanted the middle one and so like I called GameStop and I was just like hey are you guys doing like a midnight release tonight like what's going on because I don't really know if they do those anymore and the lady on the phone she was like well we're not doing a midnight release she was like but we close at nine and we're doing like an 850 release she was like so you can just like come by right before we close we give them out and then like you and i was like oh awesome i was like okay well i haven't pre-ordered it i was like can i like swing by and pre-order it and then just come back tonight and pick it up and she was like yeah you can do that but we're not offering pre-orders on the deluxe or the collector's edition and i was like oh awesome so like i guess they had like stopped or like fulfilled all of their pre-orders for like the expensive ones so i couldn't decide like what i wanted to do because i want i wanted like the physical version because i'm right. i just want that um sure, sure but i ended up just buying it on the psn so i just preloaded it on the psn and then it unlocked at 11 p.m my time and so i played it for about an hour i only played well maybe about 45 minutes um on thursday night into friday and then i had to like you know eat dinner and pack and get ready for the trip and everything so i was actually when I flew back in on yesterday, I was able to like really sit down and like spend some time with it. So, but yeah, uh, I mean, I'll talk yeah. about that. Well, we're in the time loop right now. I'm gonna say I'll talk about that on the show, but <clears throat> if you're listening to this, you already heard me talk about it. So, that was the I don't know boring backstory on how I bought Resident Evil, yeah. but <laughs> that was the setup for the, the segment that you heard yeah. an hour ago. <laughs> but so the good news is that I was able to play it. So, um, all right, yes, we will talk about that very, very shortly. Um, very shortly. Well, that sounds like a good trip and I look forward to seeing, uh, you haven't posted any of those photos yet or you have, I have not posted any of the action. Well, I posted like a handful that I edited on my phone on like Saturday afternoon or something or like Friday night, but it wasn't anything like serious. Um, okay. All yeah. Right. I thought I, I saw a, a couple more. photos. There was one that was particularly good I was going to talk to you about. I don't have it handy, but it was like you were kind of like under and the guy was like taking a step and it looked like he was almost going to like land on you, but he was like going to land on like some kind of a, I don't know, hydrant or something like he was uh, whatever. whatever. That was no, no, you have a good memory because that's exactly what it was. I was shooting up on Julian and he was leaping, doing like a stride from a yeah, wall yeah, onto yeah. a fire hydrant. And so I caught the picture like right before he touched down on the fire hydrant, which like because of the angle, you can't like really tell he's not touching it. It kind of sort of looks like he's just like balancing on the fire hydrant. But I took that and I edited. I, that was like a quick phone edit because I don't. Okay. Um, okay. I didn't have like editing software. I didn't take a computer or anything with me. So right, I just right. downloaded a few pictures on my phone and edited them. So 
that was a particularly good one. I thought that might have been from your new session, but I was going to follow up later, and I just did, and it was, and so there we go. Yes. Excellent. All right. I only have one more thing to talk about, and then uh, if it's okay with you, why don't we just wrap it up and just get right into the main event, because I do have to have dinner prepared on a timeline tonight, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, I'm getting a little nervous. Butterflies in my tummy. <laughs> so maybe we uh, should uh, just wrap it up real quick, if that's all right with you. Yeah, that's fine. All right. I, I just didn't... Uh, just two quick shout-outs. I talked about Gravity Falls last episode. My son and I are three episodes away from the end. And I got to say, it got really, really good. It started out as being kind of like super quirky, slightly annoying, weird kids cartoon. <laughs> but it's morphed over time, over the course of 40 episodes or, you know, 36 episodes or whatever we're up to now. It's got really good. There's a lot of really good touching moments. It got pretty heavy in a few parts. It's coming to the end, and it's going to just like basically end the series and like now that we've gotten through so much it's basically the story of these two kids just staying for the summer at their uncle's house their great uncle's house uh in oregon and so now that the summer's coming to an end the story's coming to an end and then that's just the end of the series in total which i thought was a pretty nice way to wrap it up and it, there's been a couple moments dude like i mean i haven't cried or anything but there's a few moments where i'm like damn that was oh kind of got me the feels a little bit you know like just a little bit right there it's kind of oh kind of sting a little bit it's been pretty good. I'm going to look forward to finishing up the last three episodes. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so busy. Like, I can't even find the time to watch an hour's worth of television. Uh, but soon I will finish it up. And I got to say, I was I was pretty hesitant to start it. And even after the first couple episodes, I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. But I'm really glad that I watched it. And it is really good. Uh, not perfect in any way, but totally worth watching if you are into, like, an X-Files, kids' summer camp comedy kind of cartoon lighthearted sort of a thing uh it's pretty good it's pretty good also just a really quick shout out did we ever talk about drunk history on the show we have haven't we or have we not uh if we have it's been so long that i don't remember have you seen drunk history before i know what it is but i've never seen it i heard about it for a long time and i'm like that sounds fucking annoying and i don't want to watch that <laughs> and then i came home and my wife's like oh yeah we watched like the first three seasons and i'm like what I left for work and you watched the first three seasons when I was gone. What is going on in this house? And so she's like, oh, it's really good. And I'm like, oh, sure it is. Yeah, okay. And I sit down and yeah, sure enough, it's actually really funny. The thing that I like the most about it is it is shockingly educational. Like even though they're, I mean, I, I know some stuff about history, I'm not historian uh, or by any means, but like they talk about shit I've literally like never heard of ever. And some of it is like just legit interesting, like things that have happened during the war or like scientific advancements or interesting twists about famous people that you never knew and like, or people you've never heard of and stuff. I mean, just like I actually learned like quite a bit from, from drunk history. They do a good job of finding more than just the facts that everybody knows. Like it's not just like George Washington crossing the Delaware and the pilgrims at Plymouth rock and all that shit, you know, like the stuff you learn about in our totally white man's uh, whitewashed education system. But they talk about a lot of other stuff. They, talk about women and people of color and all sorts of things that you never hear about so that's really cool and it's also just fucking funny like it's way funnier than i thought it would be because uh i don't like to hang out with people who are drunk i mean i don't care if people drink i don't drink myself at all and i don't have a problem with it like i'm not anti-alcohol or anything but like i don't tend to be in places where people are just like shitty drunk and being weird and you know it's it's not fun right but watching people on a tv screen trying to tell historical stories while they're falling down shitty drunk is actually a lot more fun than it sounds. So I do, <laughs> I do recommend this show. Uh, if you've never watched it, give it a shot. And 
it may not be appropriate for all families, but we watch it with my son, and god damn it, we learned so much interesting <laughs> shit on the show. It is so funny. It is so funny. I mean, you gotta put up with the swearing and the people falling over and burping, and there's puke and stuff, but Ew. other than that, it is really entertaining, and I mean, I can't think of another way to get my kid to sit down and absorb that much history in one go. Like, it's, it's pretty painless to watch it, so... Shout out to Drunk History. Uh, parents, please, uh, parental guidance with that. Watch it yourself before you watch it with your kids. Use your best judgment. Not a good fit for all kids. It fits for my kid, maybe not for yours. Uh, but overall, funny as fuck and super educational, and I do like it. Good. And that's it. And that's it. All right. Anything else uh, on your end of things? Uh, nothing I can't save for the next episode. All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's dive into it. we got a lot of games to talk about. I'm really looking forward to talking about the stuff we have on the show. Uh, people listening, you've already heard it, so I guess you got to enjoy it before I did because we're caught in the time loop. Uh, but let's talk about it now. Let's create that paradox, shall we? Let's do it. All right, let's do it.